Welcome to College Town Talk, a podcast from Tennessee Tech University in partnership with the Cookville Putnam County Visitors Bureau. I'm Jonathan Frank, News and Public Relations Director for Tennessee Tech. And I'm Shan Stout, Director of Tourism for the Cookville Putnam County Visitors Bureau. Shan, we have an elected official on the program today. Yes, we are joined by Cookville's own state representative, Ryan Williams. Now, he shared about the decisions that first led him to enter public service, and I found that very interesting. The wins for Tennessee Tech students secured in this year's state budget and so many more things that really educated me on what he had to bring to the table supporting our community. And we sat down with Charia Campbell, the Director of Student Engagement and Intercultural Affairs here at Tennessee Tech. She talked with us about the recent renovations to the Leona Lusk Officer Black Cultural Center, the work that goes into planning Tech's Black History Month events every year, and the return of a sorority to campus that made a big impact in her own life. And Shan, you and I were just discussing this. It's the uh, Delta Sigma Theta sorority. They're back on campus as of this fall. Uh, Chari has been a part of it. Dr. Pojo has been a part of it. And uh, they've got a pretty impressive membership roster. Listen, Jonathan, I'm not going to do a spoiler alert, but our listeners need to hear to the end to understand the impact of the people that have been members of her sorority, not only multi-generational from her family, but we're talking celebrity and very important national influencers. I was blown away. She is amazing. And we should mention that if uh, Representative Williams' audio sounds a little bit different in his interview, it's because he was on the road on the way to Nashville for legislative business there and pulled over to the side of the road to do this interview with us. So uh, we really appreciate his time. Now, I love the fact that he not only pulled over on the side of the road, Jonathan, but he turned off his air conditioner and it was like 85 degrees outside to do a half hour interview with us. And so he was really taking one for the team there. He is a good natured soul. Well, let's get right to our interviews today. And up first, our guest is State Representative Ryan Williams. We're joined now by Cookville's own State Representative Ryan Williams. Representative Williams has served the 42nd House District, which encompasses Cookville and the Tennessee Tech campus, as well as nearby Baxter and Allgood, and the Tennessee General Assembly for more than a decade. In the state legislature, he serves on the powerful Finance, Ways, and Means Committee and chairs the Appropriations Subcommittee. A longtime community leader here in Tennessee's college town, Representative Williams previously served on the Cookville City Council and the Cookville Planning Commission. He and his wife, Abby, are the proud parents of two grown children. Representative Williams, welcome to College Town Talk. Well, thank you for having me. Really excited about our discussion today and look forward to welcoming welcoming all the students and faculty at Tech uh, this fall. Representative Williams, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to speak with us today. Now, we'd like to start out by getting your thoughts on the legislative session that wrapped up earlier this year. Uh, Obviously, there were a lot of headlines to come out of this session, but a lesser known fact is that you and your colleagues helped secure some major funding wins for Tennessee Tech students, and I love this. Now, that included uh, funding in the state budget for Rural Reimagine, the Crossville Wind Tunnel, uh, our Cybersecurity Center, known as CROC, 
and so many more things. Um, we should add that the final note on that budget was overwhelmingly bipartisan, which is uh, a really great thing as well. Now, when you look back on this year's session, what are you personally most proud of? Well, that's a great question. And you're right. It is unusual to see such bipartisan work. But the good news is, is when we do stay budget in Tennessee, we try to take in consideration of all the districts, regardless of who represents them, because we are here to serve all the Tennesseans. But out of a $56.2 billion budget, it's hard not to find uh, something good to look at, which is why I think the bipartisan vote uh, worked well. But uh, you've already mentioned some things that I'm most proud of as it relates to tech and what's going on there. Uh, but some of the other things I'm very proud of is we've spent $3.3 billion on new road funding across the state, which is huge. We've not been able to spend this kind of money uh, in decades uh, on road projects, which is really big. It, it's important because it's going to impact not just Putnam County, but obviously the whole state. Our region is going to get $750 million of that. And so been working with local officials to do that. As it relates to the, the the things you mentioned about tech are really important. Some of the things that you didn't include that impact tech, I think, are for the fifth year in a row, we've completely funded the Complete College Act, which is the outcome-based formula as it relates to higher education. That's a formulary that all the stakeholders and institutions of higher learning got together and said, hey, we're, we need to fund schools or institutions based upon their performance. And whenever we're fully funding that, that means our institutions of higher learning across the state are doing a great job retaining students, graduating students, and making pathways for all students across the state, which is really exciting. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say we gave another raise to all of our state employees and school teachers equivalent to at least 5% for everybody, which was really important. As you know, the cost of groceries has gone up quite a bit over the last year. And so to be able to do that was great. But I think what's also interesting is we fully funded our employment benefits and TCRS, making us the number one fiscally responsible state in the United States, which is pretty, pretty stellar. But I think finally, as it relates to tech, the things that you mentioned with Rural Reimagine, the wind tunnel, uh, and other research projects like this is really what separates tech from a lot of the other institutions of higher learning. As enrollment grows or fades uh, over time, it's these research dollars that really give an anchor of stability because they're able to claw back other dollars from federal entities, for-profits and nonprofits to be able to make tech unique in being rural through rural reimagined or through a wind tunnel, which there's only one other wind tunnel like it in the United States. It really sets us apart, which makes this process so good for tech and good for state and tech students too. Representative Williams, you first came to the state legislature by taking a pretty big risk and running against an incumbent. And uh, I think maybe there's an interesting lesson there for, for tech students or anyone who's thinking about taking a risk in their own career. Uh, can you talk to us about that decision and what made you ultimately want to make the leap from the city council to the state legislature? Well, first of all, I'd like to say to you and your students, I don't think I ever imagined when I was their age with a mullet in college that I ever thought I would run for state office. But uh, much less city council. But my wife and I, quite frankly, we just 
didn't really like the direction of where things were going in a certain way. And we felt like we could make a bigger impact, but we really just prayed about it a lot and asked friends about it. There were a couple of instances too, where it just felt like it was providential that we should do this. Obviously uh, he who does the work gets the pay. We say in my office all the time uh, as it relates to my full-time job, but just a lot of prayer and, and direction. We, we raise our kids. It's a little bit interesting. We raise our kids and say, you know, we just don't want to be talkers. We want to be doers. And so in a lot of ways, doers do. And and I think it's interesting that when you look at that, uh, my advice to your students is that here in the United States, they have a lot of great opportunities. And a lot of it just takes an opportunity uh, to step out. Um, and so you have to be calculating, um, but you also have to take risks. Uh, and and luck, luck favors the brave. And so I think that takes a little bit of it, but along the way, a lot of favor, uh, a lot of prayer and a lot of uh, just patience sitting and thinking, should, should I do this? And so the results speak for themselves, but definitely something I didn't think I would do. And, and definitely the timing was, was right for us. We call this podcast College Town Talk because it is in many ways a celebration of all the ways that Cookville is truly Tennessee's college town. And you played a very big part in that. Now, on the city council, you helped launch the After Dark Movies series, which we thoroughly enjoy at Dogwood Park. And in the state legislature, you helped make Cummins Falls a state park. And with me being in tourism, uh, that is that that weighs heavily on me to be such an asset and uh, my personal gratitude. But your day job with JNS Construction, you've been involved additionally with many of the major building projects around town. Now, what is it that you think makes Cookville such a special place to call home? And maybe um, what are some of your hopes for its future? Well, that's a great question, and uh, you're right. I have. Uh... I have had the opportunity to participate in my full-time job in a lot of construction projects and and an opportunity really to impact change as it relates to tourism in our community. But I think, you know, people from all over the United States are moving to Cookville, Tennessee. It's shocking to go to Kroger and see so many license plates or public see so many license plates from out of town. But I think uh, the proof is in the pudding. I think we have just a really great place as it relates to tourism, but I think more play, more, it's just a small town feel. Uh, the quality of life is unparalleled to most communities. We, even though we're, we have a small town feel, we still have eight or 10 counties that shop with us. They come get their medicine with us. We're a college town, which makes us very youthful and invigorating, which is great. But it also is important because we can get to large cities if we want. But I think the combination of all those things is what makes Cookville and Putnam County great. And it's really why a lot of Cookville, a lot of students from across the state, once they come to Tech, they're like, I really like it here. And a lot of the challenges that we have is how do we continue to preserve our identity as a small community, but also create pathways for people to be able to stay, raise a family, grow or start a business. It, it ended up being a great place for us and our family. Of course, Abby was born and raised here. So uh, that was part of the reason why we came. But I think really just the quality of life and the services that we provide are really unparalleled for a small community. Representative Williams, regardless of one's politics today, there are a lot of people out there who have concerns about 
this heightened division and, and polarization in our politics and what I think a lot of people see as a decline in civility and the ability to compromise. What do you say to those constituents who are wondering about that and who might feel like it's it's just more difficult for, for people to find common ground these days than maybe in times past? Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with your ability to understand the minority by being by putting yourself in their shoes. I think, you know, in in and I think a lot of times Tennessee and state politics sometimes catches the the flu, if you will, to what's going on in Washington, D.C. And we we quite frankly don't experience that. If you want to be divisive in state politics in Tennessee, you have to do it by choice. Uh, you have to. Uh, it's not something that comes naturally. It may be they may have created an environment in Washington, D.C. where that's the case. But in Tennessee, we try to create an environment which, you know, we talked earlier about the budget. You know, one of the biggest discussions and hurdles that families have across Tennessee is talking about their own finances. Uh, but when you have a bipartisan work as it relates to the budget, then you know you're doing some things right. Now, we're going to disagree on some things, but until you're able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and do some listening, I think it's really important. I think what makes it more divisive sometimes is when people are upset that they don't get their way. And you can be in the majority and not get your way. Uh, you can be in the minority and, and not get your way. But but at the end of the day, this business of politics is a relationship driven sport. And if you don't if you don't know how to build and maintain quality relationships, regardless of your differences, then you're going to have a hard time in college or university. You're going to have a hard time in the workplace and you sure as heck are going to have a hard time in politics. But I think one of the main things is it's not forgetting uh, those people that sent you here. There are many people in my district that think I am the wrong guy at the wrong time doing the wrong things. But if I can sit down and listen to them, they at least understand my perspective and what the majority is that people uh, want in Putnam County. And so uh, we can we can we can choose divisiveness uh, or we can choose peace. And I choose peace. Finally, Representative Williams, we like to end each interview by asking the same question. What is one way that Tennessee Tech has impacted your life? Oh. Man, what a question. You know, as I think about this, I remember the first time that I met Jonathan. Jonathan uh, was a tech student here, got involved a little bit in politics, went off into, into the other parts of the world, and he's back. And so I think the magnetism of Tennessee Tech really sets itself apart. I think uh, anytime you're in your formative years in college, there's a special place for, for, for people. For Abby and I, it was our alma mater. And so when we go there, it's like going home. And so I think in a lot of ways for us, I say Abby and I, the impact of Tennessee Tech is great. Her father, much like many tech students today, came to Tennessee Tech University with a GI Bill uh, after Vietnam. And he came there to get a degree in biology. He, he both, he both, and he and I both, have degrees in biology that we never used. I wanted to be in medicine. Uh, but what we garnered there was so really important. So the biggest impact is, is that he had the opportunity to come to Tech on a GI Bill. He started a family, much like I said earlier. They stayed in Cookville, and I got to marry the best and middle daughter 
uh, of his. And so that's why Tennessee Tech is very impactful because, as you said earlier, I have two grown children that were born and raised in this community, and they're back for the summer. And so we're fixing to send them off, but our hope is one day they would return with the same magnetism that that most of us have had uh, as it relates to the quality of life and the people. So Tennessee Tech had a great impact on me, mainly because Dr. Oldham and every president before him stands in my chest and say, I need this money for tech. I need this new building for tech. But ultimately, it's about people and relationships. And if it weren't for Doug Bates and, and Debbie Bates coming here on the GI Bill from Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, uh, I wouldn't know my wife. And so for that, I'm very thankful. Well, then you have a lot of gratitude. You owe tech a lot. Yes, I do. Thank you so much, Representative Williams, for joining us today on College Town Talk. Delighted to talk to you guys today. It's been a pleasure. It's always good to see your faces, even though you don't get to see that on a a voice blog only. But uh, delighted to to serve, and it's a great opportunity to serve my community and uh, to all those tech students out there, wings up. And for our listeners, you can reach Representative Williams by contacting his Nashville office at 615-741-1875, and you can learn more about him and the various bills before the Tennessee General Assembly by going to capital.tn.gov. That's capital with an O, .tn.gov. Welcome back to College Town Talk. We are now joined by Charia Campbell, Director of Student Engagement and Intercultural Affairs at Tennessee Tech University. Now, Charia, prior to coming to Tech, you worked in higher education for 15 years in Alabama. Now, you focused on diversity initiatives, but you also worked in university athletics and at the community college level as an advisor, a recruiter, an adjunct math instructor, obviously not busy at all. (laughs) Among your duties on campus, uh, I'm told that you oversaw the Leona Lust Officer Black Cultural Center, um, and that's a space for students to network, learn, and find support among their peers, and you also serve as a staff lead for the university's Multicultural Affairs Alumni Advisory Council. So you have a lot of things going on. You have an undergraduate degree in engineering and a master's degree in math education. Charya, I'm not even sure I am qualified to interview you. Welcome to College Town Talk. Thank you, Shan. Uh, I'm glad to be here to talk with you and Jonathan today and share a little bit more about what I do and just find out more about what you all um, do as well and what you would like to know about Tennessee Tech and the work that I do here um, in intercultural affairs and student engagement. Okay, so we're gonna dive right in. As we mentioned in the opening, you had a well-established career in your home state of Alabama before coming to Cookville. Now, what was it about this particular opportunity here at Tennessee Tech that made you say, hmm, this is something I wanna do? I was actually writing a recommendation letter for a friend and saw this job pop up when I was reading the job description for hers. And I was like, huh, this will be fun. You know, I kind of want to get back to the four year, want to get back into some diversity, equity and inclusion. This is perfect. This is work I've done. So I jumped on it. It was like kind of last minute. I think it was like within a week or maybe a day or two before the job closed. And I got my stuff in and got a call back that fall of 2018 and 
went forward. And that was what got me here. And I had a great experience with my interview. And I'll say it was, yes, the faculty and staff are great and administrators that I met, but it was meeting with the students here at Tennessee Tech and those in particular who were part of that student panel when I came to the Multicultural Affairs offices was the name at the time and the Black Cultural Center um, that's named for Miss Leona West Officer, one of the first African-American graduates of tech. And they were so engaged and they were had real questions. They didn't shy away. And they but after the interview, they made me feel so welcome. So as they saw me walking around during other parts of the day with my interview, they kept checking in. How are things going? How's the food? You know, how is this and how was your experience? So that's what really like got me. So want to consider the position when they call back to offer me the job. So, yes. Well, the students are blessed to have you. That's all I can say. Thank you. Charia, let's stay on this subject of your career, because uh, as has been discussed, you worked on diversity and intercultural initiatives for many years in Alabama, too. But your bachelor's degree was in chemical engineering. And uh, I know you also spent time as a math teacher. So, uh, when you made the jump from numbers and formulas to diversity and inclusion, what were some of those biggest changes and what were the, the common threads that really stayed the same? Okay, sure. Um, so I think numbers has just always been something I've loved. <laughs> I had a math teacher, Miss um, Isbell, when I was in like seventh grade and she was like, you always do really well in math. Have you considered thinking about computer science or something with engineering? So that kind of started my passion towards, let me see what this engineering thing is about. So I was involved with 4-H, um, which a lot of people know what 4-H is, but then there's a lot of people who don't. Um, that's run through the county extension agencies, um, the cooperative extension system. And my mom actually worked for the extension system doing a different job. And then she transitioned into 4-H. So she always had my brother and I from like elementary school on up <laughs> involved in that. So I started getting involved with some things there, middle school, high school, and then took the opportunity to kind of take that pre-college track in high school. And when we had the opportunity to just opportunities to do electives, I was taking like the pre-engineering stuff and all those things. And that's what got me in to doing it. And so I went forward, got some scholarships to Auburn and a couple other places and got to do a minority introduction to engineering program in Auburn for a week and met friends and had some classmates and other people that I knew from my hometown that didn't know what was going. And we spent a week at Auburn and I was sold. So that's what got me into really doing engineering and finding that passion. And then my dad does contract work and those kinds of things. And he's always been great at numbers. So he would always do measurements without calculators and stuff. So I guess I picked up some of that and he can measure stuff. And so that's what got me into it and the programs with that Minority Introduction to Engineering program and the Bell South Minority Engineering program and the College of Science and Math drop-in center and just having those experiences in some of those diversity initiatives really drove me to do that. And so I was offered a job with my mentor to work in the College of Science and Math when I finished. So that's what got me into doing the work at higher ed versus going into engineering and just fell in love with it. And I knew that I wanted to eventually, if I had done engineering, come back to higher ed and work with students and making sure, especially like females and people of color and folks who sometimes are underrepresented, have that opportunity to succeed and conceive themselves doing STEM-related fields. Well, Charia, I love to hear you talk passionately about education, and you are obviously a lifelong learner. You are constantly using your brain to its maximum potential, and that makes you a mentor for, um, I would say, all women, not even young Black women, but all women. 
uh, it is an amazing thing what you have have accomplished and how you have taken advantage of every opportunity to learn and grow and evolve your career. But I want to take a minute to go back to the Black Cultural Center that we mentioned earlier. It's a special place on Tech's campus. It has a storied history. It's also undergone something of a makeover these past few months. So tell our listening audience about the importance of this space and what can students expect to see from these remodeled digs? Sure. So as I mentioned in the beginning, um, the Leona Lewis Officer Black Cultural Center was named for our first African-American graduate at Tennessee Tech. Um, and she graduated in 1965 in education. So, and she is local, I think, from like the Sparta areas where she's from. And we also know that like, I think her daughter and some family members still kind of live in like Smith County, McMinnville area, Sparta. So she still has relatives here, um, which is great <laughs> to know that, you know, a piece of her legacy, you know, we can continue to reach out to them and carry that on. And the students in like 1996 decided it was befitting to name the center after someone who had done so much here at Tech and set like a foundation for them. So a lot of people don't realize that the Black Cultural Center, which is where the Intercultural Affairs Office, which we just named the space this spring semester in 2023, had been the Black Cultural Center. <laughs> and our offices are just located here. And I always explain to people, Intercultural Affairs, formerly Multicultural Affairs, formerly Minority Affairs, as far back as the name goes, could be housed anywhere at Tech, and there would still be a Black Cultural Center. So it's been in existence since 1989. Uh, with President Bope, who really worked with students. And we had passionate students then who were like, let's do this, we need a space. And so they opened the doors officially in August of 1990. So it's been through a few changes. But when I got here, I saw things and was listening to the students and they was like, this is what we need, this is what we want. So to modernize it, update it, you know, the UC has been through a few changes. And it's like, this space has been here for 30 years. We need to make it look like what our students want to see and have some of the technology and things. So yes, we just completed renovations. We had a few conversations with administration and they said, let's do it. You know, we kept pushing and kept pushing. And so we started last summer to get the intercultural lounge. Now we have a new classroom space for any student groups and organizations to use. And then in the fall, we closed down the center in December and then in January, they worked to finish it. So we got new furniture, technology, paint, <laughs> carpet, some other new stuff that's coming in. And then we'll have one more round in December to just finish out a couple of things. So yes, we've updated it, got some glass and new things and the new name change is up and official. So. And Charia, I know that one of the projects you take on each year is helping to coordinate the university's programming for Black History Month. And I, I want to say your team knocked it out of the park this year. I had a chance to go to a few of the events and there were incredible guest speakers, a gospel extravaganza, a soul food night. You even brought back Mark Burnett for a painting class. How much of an undertaking is all of that? And what are your hopes for 2024? So, yeah, so Black History Month is a big time for us and one of the busiest seasons because we always come back in January and we're getting students back, but also working on MLK um day stuff which is kind of where it was when i got here in january 2019 to start of my role we've expanded that now to a week and then we kind of roll in from that right into black history month but we also do other cultural and heritage program events starting like in the fall so we start with september 
with Hispanic Heritage Month, Native American Month in November, Women's History Month, AAPI, and then any other cultural and heritage events that we can do and partner with. And we love also looking at ways we can partner with the community. So we have had at one particular time, I think 2019 going into 2020, able to pull some community members in, impact Cookville and some other folks um, to help us really start to expand the work we do. So it's not just on campus and this office, but also collaborating with different departments and individuals across campus and getting the community involved. So that way it's, yes, students educating the campus, but also bringing in the community because it's important for our students to know that our community supports them and they can be a part of the community as a whole. So yes, we looked for ways to expand and bring in different speakers with our solo events committee. And part of the vision for intercultural affairs is to start building those collaborations with the SGA and the solo events committee and looking at how do we do all these things collaboratively and getting our student organizations to see the benefits of collaboration. And it's not just one office <laughs> doing those things for cultural and heritage events. Um, so we worked with solo events committee to bring in Anthony Ray Hinton, who was a, who was a part of the Equal Justice Initiative out of Montgomery, Alabama, and Brian Stevenson. And he was one of the first inmates that they helped to free and found out, you know, he had been wrongfully accused. And so we were able to work with solo events. And when the students saw his little videos and got his blurb about him, they was like, let's do it. <laughs> so we were able to expand because of that, because we're working with our student groups, we're working with SGA, we're working with departments in the community to do more things. And the gospel extravaganza with Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity, the campus chapter has been doing that. And again, because of COVID, we had to postpone it the last two or three years and we're able to bring it back and work with local churches. The Soul Food event, we decided to bring it to a different level. So I brought in some people from different parts of the state because we also want to recognize businesses um, that have started and entrepreneurs here. So we also do that as well. So we have a Memphis-based restaurant that does soul food and they come up every year. So it's a tradition. And they told us that we started something because of us advertising and them pumping it on social media that other universities have now reached out to them to start doing soul food events and culturally heritage events to cater for them. So Tennessee Tech has started a little something <laughs> with some locally owned Tennessee businesses. So we're hoping to do some of the same things, keep the paint night going, the soul food night. I get asked probably once a week when it's coming back. <laughs> now, I want to navigate the conversation. You know, you were talking about fraternities. Let's go into sororities. Yes. Now, this next piece for our listening audience is going to blow their mind. When I first heard this, I thought this cannot be true. And you are here to collaborate this story. I know that when you were a college student in Alabama, there was a sorority that was very meaningful to you, Delta Sigma Theta. Mm -hmm. And you've had some, now, when I say pretty notable sorority sisters <laughs> over the years, this includes, now you back me up if this is true. This includes Aretha Franklin, Cicely Tyson, Yes. Former U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch and even our very own Dr. Cynthia Polk Johnson. My mind is blown. Yes. <laughs> so so this is, I mean, few people can say <laughs> that they share a sorority with great names across time like this. This is an expansive list. Now, the nice thing is, is that recently... 
Delta Sigma Theta is reestablishing their presence here at Tennessee Tech. So what was your reaction when you heard that news? Well, I can't say I was surprised because I was part of the conversation. So when I got here, <laughs> again, you're again. a trendsetter. <laughs> Meeting with the students, that was one of the things that they noticed, like in my resume, that I was, you know, part of the sort of actually still a, involved. I'm a life member. Um, and I was just telling Jonathan before you got on that I'm headed out tomorrow for our national convention in Indianapolis. So my mom is a member. I have an aunt and two cousins, actually, that are members. So we're making it a family trip to go to Indianapolis to be at our national convention with thousands and thousands of our sorority sisters and we got some wonderful speakers so i'm sure if y'all follow delta sigma Theta on social media you'll see some of the wonderful guests that we'll have this week um and i'll be back next week hopefully rejuvenated and revived um from having that opportunity with family and friends that i haven't seen but i you know was asking questions and trying to figure it out so was a part of some of those initial conversations to say hey how can we get them back and being fortunate enough to have been actively involved since undergrad with the chapter and moved into a graduate chapter, which we call alumni chapters. Um, we have an executive director who was a part of my chapter that I came through at Auburn University. She's now the national executive director. So being able to reach out with her, formal regional directors, we were able to continue that conversation and push in with our current team in student engagement, our assistant VP, Ben Stubbs and Jacob. Jeffers, who's now our coordinator, we continued that conversation, got it going, got it moving. The chapter came back and we have four young ladies here and at least two will be in Indianapolis with me this week, learning more about the sorority and seeing what they can do to hopefully continue the legacy and tradition of the Talon chapter being here at Tennessee Tech and getting more young ladies actively involved in doing more community service. Yes. That so. is so amazing. <laughs> Finally, Charia, we like to end each interview by asking the same question, and that is, what is one way that Tennessee Tech has impacted your life? It's a big question. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan, for asking. <laughs> and it's been great talking to you and Shan and sharing a little bit about me and what I do. And um, But I'll say I've had a lot of opportunities here at Tennessee Tech in the short four and a half years that I've been here that I can't say I wouldn't have had elsewhere, but I think I've been able to do a lot because of the support from folks like Mark Burnett, who was here my first year. And he retired and I remember joking with him and saying, you can't leave. And he was talking about retirement. And I said, you got to stay to the end of the year. So when he decided to retire in December, his joke was, I gave you a year. I told you I would stay. So um, I finished out my first year with you. Now let's see what you can do. And Dr. Rob Owens, who at the time was um, the assistant VP and also my supervisor, they were two who were instrumental in bringing me to Tennessee Tech. And them just giving me the opportunities and saying, hey, we trust you, do what you need to do. And when I put an idea out there, it was never like really a no. It was like, let's see what we can do. Let's figure it out. But then also I'll say President Odom and his team have been great. <laughs> um, I remember being able to meet with him when I first got to Tennessee Tech and just sharing with him and Lee Ray and some others. And everybody here has just been so kind and supportive and willing to work and you know it's very few times that i would say that i've heard no and other people have heard no and they're like let's try this let's do it if we can't let's figure it out and having support from the colleges and schools and really connecting and having people knowing <laughs> that i came here by myself um even though i have family in knoxville but coming to cookville this was a new place 
for being supportive and making sure that I was actually involved in the community and that, yes, I have a family and I have friends on campus, but I also, you know, know that I have people when I'm not at work <laughs> that I can call on and depend on. And the students are wonderful at Tennessee Tech. And to know that students are reaching out to me to tell me, hey, here's what I'm doing now, you know, and keeping that contact, that has been great to see the students, even when I first came in, if they knew me for a few short months or for a year or have known me, you know, for the whole time that they've been here, but to want to continue that network and that connection and build those relationships has been great. Charia, we have enjoyed this conversation. We've learned a lot. Thank you for being our guest on College Town Talk. Thank you both. It's been great talking to you. And for our listeners, learn more about intercultural affairs at Tennessee Tech by going to tntech.edu forward slash intercultural. We want to thank Representative Ryan Williams and Sharia Campbell for being our guests here on College Town Talk today. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please, please take a moment to subscribe, review, and share. Join us again next week for more conversations from right here in Cookville, Tennessee's College Town. College Town Talk is presented by Tennessee Tech University in partnership with the Cookville Putnam County Visitors Bureau. Your hosts are Jonathan Frank and Shan Stout, and original music is performed by Andrew Buckner. Visit us online at tntech.edu slash collegetowntalk. <laughs>